Hello there and welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter. I'm Rafael Diforia and just before we get started, there are two little bits of housekeeping that I would like to do. Before we get into this episode, a little bit housekeeping number one. For the next two weeks, so just before Christmas and just before New Year's Eve, we will be having our episodes up on Thursdays rather than Fridays, just so that there's a little bit of time so that people can enjoy the holidays and chill out. The other piece is that later on in this episode, I'm going to be talking about where I have moved to. So for those of you who've been asking about it, like, I don't even know how many messages it is at this point. I think it's gotten into the hundreds, probably. <laughs> I've lost track. But as you know, I've been updating on Instagram, kind of giving insight as to where I may be. But I'll just say things maybe not are what they seem. But this episode is all about part of my checklist for moving abroad. Some of the things that I would do to help make the transition go a little bit smoother. So let's get into this. And just before we start, huge thank you to the patrons who make these episodes possible, as well as those of you who've purchased the shirts, mugs, onesies, and more, as well as the one-time donations to rafaeldifuria.com slash support. But it is time to get the episode started. So roll that intro. The absolute first thing that I will say is that if you don't already have Google Translate on your phone, make sure that you do. Make sure that you also have your language downloaded to the app as well as the language of the place where you will be living. In that area, that country, whatever, maybe you're in a sub area that speaks a specific language. Try to make sure that you have that language or those languages downloaded to your phone. Google Translate is nowhere near perfect, and really there are a lot of problems with it, and it is very buggy, and the translations aren't the best, but in my opinion, it is one of the better options that you'll find out there, only just because of the camera feature that you can face your phone towards a sign, towards a label, towards, and it's not available for every language, but for a lot of languages, it does work. It is so helpful to have, especially like the other night I was at the supermarket and I was getting some food there. And there was one thing I was 99% sure what it was, but I just wanted to make sure 100% because either it was something that I really like or that I really hate. I was lucky it was the thing that I really like. So keep that in mind. And it's not just for food, like signs on stores and so on to have that translation. You can pause the translation take a screenshot and keep it for later so that you can hold on to it. It is so much better now than when I left America more than 12 years ago. Like it is night and day difference. It is so much more usable these days than it was then. The app, there's an app now, <laughs> that's huge. And it is still improving slowly, but surely. Of course, another very basic, simple thing that I have talked about in many episodes of Not Your Average Globetrotter is making sure that you are legal to be in the country and that you have your visa or personal tax code for that country all taken care of and that you have the ability to remain there uh, for as long as you require. Fine, there are maybe digital nomads out there that maybe a three-month tourist visa is enough, but are you allowed to work on that tourist visa even only remotely? There are parts of the world where that is a major issue. 
And this is one of the reasons why I've spoken about Italian citizenship and some of the wonderful things that it offers for so long, because if you are of Italian descent and planning to move to Europe, Italy specifically, or elsewhere, it is a major bonus that you have the rest of the European Union almost at your fingertips. Yes, there are things that you have to go through to make sure that you can legally remain in the country. There are some steps that you have to take once you arrive, but this is a huge piece of the puzzle to be able to arrive someplace and just jump off the plane and not have to think about that, at least not too much. You do have to, you have to do, take some things into consideration, though. And it's not just those who are of Italian descent or those who have Italian citizenship. We're talking about anybody with a European passport. So, of course, if you are of European descent and come from a family line from one of the countries where you can get citizenship by descent, Poland, Hungary, potentially Austria, potentially Spain, potentially Portugal, and a number of other countries, or other ways of getting citizenship in those places, there are ways to be able to live in Europe legally. And if I'm not mistaken, Armenia and maybe Georgia also have programs like this in existence. And these aren't the only countries in the world. There are plenty of others. So if your family originally came from someplace else other than the country that you live in and you're interested in that country, take a look at the laws. Who knows? You may already technically be a citizen of that nation. The next thing on my list is that you have to consider what you want to take with you and how you want to take it with you. For example, years ago, I always recommended if you can get a shipping container sent to you, if at least you're going to be moving intercontinentally, that might be one of the best ways that you can actually move your things internationally. It ended up being pretty cost effective in comparison to other methods and even to an extent it's not one of the worst methods today, but unfortunately, the price of moving a container has gone up, especially in the past couple of years. I remember even watching a YouTube video recently, and they were talking about how shipping from North America to Asia, or actually vice versa, that it used to be like $1,200 to ship a container, but now it's something like $20,000 to ship a container. So maybe depending on what part of the world you're in, some container routes might be a little bit more pricey than they would have been 10 years ago. Even to have a partial container was a fantastic way to be able to make that intercontinental move, or sometimes even just simply international, depending on from where and to where. Because of the global demand for many of the items that we live with day to day, there have been shortages. And let's look at California, for example, where some container ships have been off of the coast and in the waters there for quite a while and or have had major delays at the very least. So these are some things that we have to look at moving forward. Or maybe you're in the type of situation where internationally moving means that you can take a truck with you and depending on where you are in the world this may mean that you have a limit to the truck or the weight of the truck it really depends where on earth that you are and where you're moving from and to and so this is something that i have faced personally that my items were a lot smaller than what the truck could hold but weighed a lot more than what they technically were allowed to travel with but there are certain situations that you may want to consider. For example, when you arrive, maybe you want to have some blankets and things with you or some basic daily necessities. 
who knows, plates, forks, whatever, to be able to just hop off the plane and kind of at least basically start living. This is something that I just did with my current move that I had purchased extra luggage because it was actually cheaper than sending myself a box of stuff to just take extra luggage. Yeah, it was annoying on the day of, but it was definitely worthwhile. I had my pillows, I had my blankets. Even though there were pillows and blankets where I arrived, I could start making it home immediately. But this gets into another point regarding this subject that I think that one of the biggest things that you can have to be able to make your move a lot less complicated and to smooth things out is if you have your long-term accommodation settled before you arrive. Yes, this may start sounding a bit daunting and this unfortunately is a place where you have to do a lot of research to make sure that you don't get scammed. I had to do that myself and I was very fortunate to find an agent here where I live now that was trustworthy, came with a lot of great recommendations and was able to get me the apartment that I currently live in to be able to call this my home rather than arriving, staying in a hotel or Airbnb for who knows how long, for some indefinite period while the bills rack up and not have the ability to set up my own home internet and all of these different things. But you also have to consider, depending on your legal ability to remain in a country, you may find yourself in the situation where you do actually have to have that long-term accommodation set up even before you arrive in the country. So that's something that you may want to consider and consider very well the fine print because one thing that actually also really helped me with this current move was that I was able to do some virtual walkthroughs where the guy opened up WhatsApp, called me, and we did a walkthrough of the apartment to see if it seemed right. I mean, from the pictures, the place looked absolutely like what I was wanting. And then when the guy was in the apartment, it actually seemed better. And then now that I'm in the apartment, it's way better than either of those. Like the pictures and video call didn't even capture and didn't give a true sense of what the feeling of the apartment was. And I'm so grateful for that. So keep in mind, those pictures or that video call may only give you a rough idea of what to expect in the apartment. Of course, if you have like two people that are there, like put the other person into the frame so that you can get a sense of how tall are the ceilings, how big are the windows and things like that. And even to get an idea of what that person's height is so that you can understand just as a rough fr a frame of reference, how big things are. And after having moved internationally a number of times, this for me, this move, I needed it to be as simple as possible and the transitional period to be as short as possible. So I was very fortunate that I was able to take care of so much from outside of the country, even as like the tax code, that was a bit annoying. That's something, again, I'm going to go into in another episode in the future just because of the situation I was in, specifically because I was in Italy, I had a few extra hoops that I had to jump through. But thankfully, because of how I was able to get my, my transitional period set up even before arriving in the country, my transitional period was just the drive from the, the, the airport to the apartment. That was it. And then we had to wait for the agent to actually arrive here as well. So that was very simple, very easy. But again, also when moving internationally, I do recommend if you are physically able to bring those extra suitcases with you. I mean, to have just some of your things, your clothing, daily essentials, 
makes a huge difference. I mean, even I stuffed a penitone in my suitcase. Yes, like I said, daily essentials, very necessary. But really though, being able to arrive and not have to wait for some things, like I'm sure for everybody out there, you can make that choice between the things that you need immediately versus the things that you could probably wait for. And if you find there are a lot of things that you need immediately, look into the cost of actually getting that extra luggage. Uh, I'll say that even on my last trip that I had extra luggage and some of that luggage was overweight, but they only charged me for the extra luggage. That was just a random chance that that even happened. I'm not going to say that's going to happen to everybody, but what I will say is that it's not the first time that's happened to me either. The next thing that I personally look into because of my work and having to be able to have an online connection is I look into what are the best cellular networks and also the best um, like hardwired networks. Usually to find out what the best cellular network is, is a little bit easier than to find out what the regular best network is. Um, but you can usually find out if it's fiber, DSL or whatever um, in your area. I don't always recommend expat groups on Facebook, but there are times when they can be useful, but it really depends on where you are. There's been so many times though that I've seen expat groups from around the world where they're just filled with bitter expats that are fed up. And anyway, this is one area where I could say that if there's a local Facebook group of expats where you are, or maybe even not an expat group, but a group for locals and you can communicate in their language, you can say, hey, I'm moving there. What does everybody have for internet? What does everybody have for cellular? What are your favorite choices? But what I will look at personally, and this is usually ends up being a pretty decent way of finding out what some of the best networks are in the country, is that I will look up um, iPhone visual voicemail and then insert the name of the location. Like, like, for example, Apple visual voicemail Italy. On Apple, there is a web page that has a list of countries as well as the providers that are there and what services that are iPhone compatible that they have. I'm not saying that I specifically have an iPhone and that's why I look. What I'm saying is that it gives you an interesting indication of what are the top networks usually. Of course, there will always be virtual providers and they aren't always listed on Apple, but you may find that some of the top networks are available on that list. So once you found your country and the list of providers that Apple talks about on their website, that gives you one piece of the puzzle of what are maybe some of the better options to look at. Maybe not the best, but what are the usually top options? Then the other thing that I do is I go over to speedtest.net because it's not just a place where you can check to see how fast your internet is, but they also have lists and rankings on their website depending on the country that you're looking at. And they will have on there what companies and what networks rank as the fastest there. And so that's something that I did for this move to where I live now. I found a cellular provider that seemed to be pretty decently rated. I spoke to some people who happened to live here, as well as uh, I ended up getting that list from Apple. And between all of them together, it really pointed at one or two companies. I was also lucky that I actually, even before arriving here, happened to find an app called Airlo or Airlo. I, I, 
forgive my pronunciation, but the name of the app will be down in the description below this video on YouTube, or if you're listening to this as an audio-only podcast, I'll have that in the description, uh, the show notes of this episode, as well as a $3 off coupon code, referral code. So uh, I, I'm not, this is not sponsored, but it is a referral code, just to be clear about that. And this is something that actually made a big difference for me recently because they offer eSIMs online. They have a bunch of networks from different countries, and I checked a couple different countries, some of the, the networks I've never even heard of, but they do sometimes have eSIMs from some of the main carriers, like temporary, like 15-day packages or whatever. And I was able to find a 15-day package uh, with 30 gigabytes for $19. So a bit on the pricey side, but internet and phone and everything here happens to be a lot more expensive than in Italy or a bit more expensive than in Italy. Maybe if you're coming from the United States, it's on the cheap side, but coming from an Italian perspective, I was a little horrified, but I needed the internet as soon as I got off the plane. So I do have devices that are compatible with eSIM. And so that could be if you have a tablet or a phone or whatever, you can hop off the plane and have that data ready immediately. Maybe in some parts of the world, you'll be able to order that eSIM directly through a provider, or maybe you'll be able to find somebody. But in this case, it was nice to have just a website to easily pay, get it done, and not have to worry about it. The only downside is that there was no voice or minutes. So when I arrived the first night, my plan was that I'm probably going to order delivery for that night because I'd be arriving at like eight or nine at night. But the thing is, you may also want to consider that having a local number could be a good thing to have just because none of the places that I called or the apps that I tried would allow me to use an international number. So I couldn't order any delivery that night. So that's something you may want to consider. Otherwise, they might not be able to allow you to even enter into the system to be able to make that order so that you can just lay back and relax. So that's something that I might consider to get a SIM card abroad can be annoying. But if you have enough lead time and the ability to have it delivered to you, that also doesn't hurt. I mean, the way that I have things set up right now is actually the next day. Uh, I went and I got like a cheap prepaid phone plan. So I have um, the regular SIM card in my phone. So just for some basic minutes and text, there was like a gigabyte of data, but I'm not even worried about that. And then I have the eSIM in my phone that actually is what's carrying my data plan for the time being, all prepaid and allows me to get my work done. And here where I live, it's a solid enough connection that I'm not actually worried about it. And in fact, the data connection is even faster than what I had in Italy, surprisingly enough, like through a hardwired connection. Before getting into talking about where I live now, one of the last points that I do want to talk about that will help to make your transition easier is about the transportation. And that's not only transportation arriving to the place where you are moving to, but also daily transportation. Let's start out with arriving. So, of course, plane for most people is probably going to be the easiest option. Maybe you can drive to where you're going. So if you're driving, then you can ignore some of the, the rest of this part. But if you are going to be flying in, one of the first things that you want to look at is what are the airport transfers from the airport to your new home or at least an Airbnb or hotel going to look like? What is the cost? 
What are the options available and how does it all work? This is again one other little place where you might see that actually an expat group might have some decent input in on this. And this is actually how I found an airport transfer to get from where I was coming from to actually bring me to my apartment. And it actually ended up being much cheaper than an Uber or any other options or even some of the main companies out there. It was a guy with his van. Very clean, very nice, very reliable. And I was very, very happy with the service. We even had a great conversation along the drive. And also, if you are traveling with multiple people, of course, then you can start thinking about dividing the cost over whoever's traveling with you. Husband and wife, 50-50 like the rest of your life, at least assuming so. Different couples work out things differently. So if you're traveling with three people, four people, whatever it is, and that was the situation I found myself in was because, like I said in the uh, episode, I believe two weeks ago, talking about leaving, I left Italy because of my family. So I was traveling with two other family members, dividing it at the cost over three people, made a very cheap ride, already a lot less expensive, and we had a ton of luggage to get here. But then when it comes to transportation, daily transportation. You have to consider, do you need a car? Do you want a car? I've made it very clear in plenty of episodes ahead of this one that I don't really have an interest in driving. I want to be able to live in a place and be able to walk around and easily get what I need and to get where I need to go. Public transport is something that I don't normally need or I hope I don't need, but I'll take it from time to time. And something to consider is that depending on where you are in the world, pre-purchasing a ticket may actually be a cheaper option. And in some places, it may be your only option. There are parts of the world or cities specifically where you can't buy a, bu uh, a ticket on the bus, a bus on the ticket. You know what I'm saying? And here where I live now, you actually can buy the ticket on the bus or you can prepay for it. But if you prepay for it, you're spending less than half of the total cost of what it would be to buy on the bus. So that's something that you also may want to take into consideration. You have to buy a card, like a plastic card that you refill, an electronic card, and instead of paying like 175 for each trip, it's 75 cents. So big difference there, a lot of savings. Here, the card just cost one euro, so that's not even a price that I'm concerned about for the time being. But of course, there are plenty of other checkboxes that I have on my list for moving abroad. If you guys are interested in hearing more about that, let me know down in the comment section below. And in a future episode, we can talk more about some of the other things that I look at uh, because we didn't even get into like what I look for. I mean, and I've talked about some of these things in the past, but we can get into what to look for, how to look for these things and plenty of other topics. But. As for where I live, if you've been watching this on YouTube, you will have already been seeing the background behind me, where I live and what it looks like. But now I am going to change it to, it actually should just say it right here, or maybe here, on, on one of my sides, the name of the city. So if you can see that, it says Braga. I now live in Braga, Portugal. Yes, I was considering that I didn't want to say anything about where I lived, and <laughs> I've just figured it would be a lot easier, just even though I have dealt with uh, some problems in the past with stalkers and people actually trying to 
make problems in my life, I felt as though it would just be easier just to do this. And that was part of why I also, on my Instagram stories, didn't post where I was immediately. And there were many of you who came to think that I was actually in America. Um, so I apologize for that. I'll admit I was having a little bit of fun to allow you guys to think whatever you wanted to think. But I'll admit also for me, it was very fun to have access to some of these things that I haven't had access to in years. Yes, some of these exist in Italy, but not where I've lived. And so even before that, even before living in Italy, some of these things I haven't had any possibility to have. And I mean, even the pizza. Barbecue chicken pizza, committing Italian sins. This was something that I wanted to do immediately and just compare. And I didn't even, I knew Italian pizza and American pizza were completely different, but I had forgotten how different it was. I mean, to actually have a pizza where everything is covered with cheese, what a crazy idea. <laughs> I felt like uh, in Italy, there were the situations where there was almost never enough cheese. Or when I would ask for extra cheese, they would put way too much on. Maybe that's lesser of a problem than too little cheese. But yeah, Braga, Portugal. Um, it was never my intention to move to Portugal. It was not my intention to leave Italy. I, my plan was to stay there. But I do have to say that if I'm moving anywhere, I'm very grateful it's here. I had never been here before. I'd been to Portugal plenty of times, traveled through the place and traveled through the country, and I know it decently. And the language for me, I don't speak it perfectly, but I can get around. I can take care of things. Um, maybe I, some of my technical Portuguese is not there, even like going through the registration process as a European citizen living here. I was able to muddle my way through it, but even when speaking to the clerk behind the counter, I had difficulties to understand the exact words because they were the words that I didn't know. But if she had used different words, I would have perfectly understood her. That's a different problem for a different day, though. So I do have to say that I'm pleasantly surprised by it and have kind of fallen in love with this place, even though it's only been a very short period of time. It's a really great little city. And even right now, with the holiday festivities going on, it just really does feel very holly and very jolly here and way more decoration than what I saw back in Italy, even in some of the most holliest and jolliest places that I've experienced. Okay, maybe in some cities you'll have lights and so on, but here throughout the downtown, they're playing music. It's, it feels very festive and oh my gosh, don't get me started on the pastry here. I love Italian food, but Portuguese, I love Portuguese food. I really do love it, especially, especially the pastry is so good here. And even with friends, I always kind of joked around that if I didn't live in Italy, I would live in Portugal. And it, I ended up here. Um, I, it's still very surreal to me that I'm here because, like I said, my, my, my mindset was that. Italy is where I am, and Italy is where I will be. <laughs> but this is where I find myself now, and I've got to make the best out of it. And so far, I'll say it's not been a challenge to look for the bright side of things. They've been 
pretty smack dab in front of my face. Uh, maybe in a future video, I'll go into some of the bigger differences between the two countries, but like there are major, major differences. There are many things here that are a lot easier to deal with and get set up than in Italy. I mean, you do have bureaucracy here, but it's not like the bureaucracy in Italy. I mean, kind of shocking. Like, there have been times where I've spoken to people and said, wait, that's a, that, 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 there's nothing else that I need to do. They're like, no. What else would there need to be? <laughs> well, <laughs> I could tell you about my experiences in Italy. <laughs> but, I mean, look, I love Italy. I absolutely love Italy, and I still think of it as home, but... I mean, man, there's something about this place that I am very grateful for that I'm really loving and, 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 and very much enjoy. By the time this comes out, I will have been in the country two weeks. I arrived on a Friday. Actually, that video announcing that I had left Italy, I was already out of the country. Again, talking about the SIM card that I had found, the eSIM, that was what allowed me to actually connect to be able to make that video public and take care of the last things and post it and thumbnails and so on. Anyway, but I am here. So yes, there will be content about this place and the comparing and contrasting. And if there's anything specifically that you're interested in knowing about, let me know because there's a lot of information I already know about this country just having been here. There's a lot that I already have to say just from these two weeks of having been here so far. There's a lot that I already have to say. And even like comparing it to when I was here years ago, a lot has changed. It's amazing to see how much has really actually pushed forward in the past 10 years. I love it. Without rambling on too much. That is going to be this week's episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter from Braga, Portugal. Thank you all so much for joining me again and for supporting this project and allowing me to be able to continue with this. Of course, we will be continuing to talk about many of the same topics and as well as some Italian topics. So don't worry, that's not going anywhere. Of course, as always, a huge, huge thank you to those of you who helped to make content like this possible through patreon.com slash rafaeldifuria, rafaeldifuria.com slash patreon. The shirts, mugs, onesies, and more that you guys have been purchasing for yourselves and as stocking stuffers and presents for your loved ones to rafaeldifuria.com slash N-Y-A-G gear or store.rafaeldifuria.com or for those of you who've also been making the one-time donations as well, a huge, huge thank you. Also, don't forget the next two weeks we're going to have the episodes on Thursdays rather than Friday, so keep an eye out for those. As always, I'm Rafael Di Furia. Stay safe and healthy out there, and I'll see y'all next time. Later.